before we get to get into the profession, school itself doesn't train us to work the way we are supposed to work on a day-to-day basis. Welcome to the Archispeak Podcast, the podcast for architects by architects, where we discuss all things about architecture. I'm Neil Pan. Each episode, Evan Troxel, Cormac Phelan, and me invite you in on the conversation as we talk about everything in the profession, both the good and the bad. Maybe you're considering a career in architecture, you're still in school, or you've been around the block more times than you'd like to admit. Join us in the studio as we gather around the water cooler and talk about this profession we call architecture. It's time for some Arcaspeak. Welcome to episode 58 of the Arcaspeak podcast. I'm Neil Pan. I'm Evan Troxel. And I'm Cormac Phelan. And this show is actually sponsored by a returning sponsor, ArtCat, and another returning sponsor, Image Wizards, and a third sponsor this episode, which is a new sponsor, which is Roundhouse Labs. And uh, they have a product called Roundhouse PM that we will be talking about a little later in the show. But first up, I think we have a friend of the show to announce. That's right. We've got Jason Wagner, who is a new friend of the show. So he donated $31.40. And uh, the reason why, Jason works at 314design.com. So thank you very much, Jason, for your support and becoming a friend of the show. And uh, obviously, we've known Jason for a long time on Twitter. And uh, it's great to see him show up in this way. So thank you so much for being a friend of the show. And Anybody can become a friend of the show, and you can also become a returning friend of the show if you want at arcaspeakpodcast.com slash donate. Any donation over $5, get your name read on the show, and we are eternally grateful. So thank you, and everybody go to arcaspeakpodcast.com slash donate and help us uh, keep the show going. Then we also have uh, some comments from our our previous episode, episode 57, where we talked about uh, distractions and also... uh, uh, strange, uh, strange neuroses of coworkers. So uh, we we got a couple of those uh, come in, and uh, I think uh, one of the most popular ones seemed to be the clipping of the nails. <laughs> we had several people bring that one up. So uh, so if you do that in the office, stop it. Don't do that. So after the show, I had some some people at work uh, try to do all the things that I, I mentioned. But... <laughs> Oh, you know what? One hasn't been nice. mentioned, but happens often in our office. Speakerphone. <laughs> Speakerphone, like in, in the in the main part of the office. Well, like everybody's desk is like five feet away from each other. And so they want to have a conference call on speakerphone at their desk while everybody else is trying to work yeah. and just carrying on and, you know, having conversations, some personal, some not, you know, just shooting the breeze with a contractor or whatever and i'm just like dude just pick up the phone <laughs> the funny thing about speakerphone is that it's like you're talking on walkie talkies all of a sudden right and, oh yeah and you have to yell right everybody has to yell or it's like it's like cell phone speakerphone when when people are driving down the road doing the air quotes here 
hands free, holding their holding their phone like a slice of pizza, <laughs> talking yeah. into it. Yeah, yeah. Like like they're about to take a bite out of the phone, but they're just talking. Have you ever noticed that like, when you're on a conference call and everybody, you know, like somebody will uh, start to say something, if if two people are trying to say something at the same time, they'll both just stop talking. Yeah, right. <laughs> it's kind of like kind of like how we do it on the podcast right yeah Uh, yeah yeah i was gonna say much like this (laughs) exactly no no go ahead no you no no you go ahead right right but another one was uh using the office phone like an intercom to find somebody if if you've got like five or six people in your office and you're calling around (laughs) using the intercom to find people (laughs) it's like my my kids man just start yelling out somebody's name in the house Oh, well, that, just, just what, use your eyes. Look, what what I like is uh, when I'll ask one of my kids to it's like, okay, go, go tell your mom. You know, we have, I have a two, I live in a two story house. Yell it out. And so, yeah, they turn like two feet away from me and yell, mom. <laughs> You're like, <laughs> like, I could have done that. I could have done that. <laughs> <laughs> I could have done it more effective too. <laughs> probably, probably. Actually, we, we've got another guy that he'll use the intercom um, to like, you know, ask somebody, you know, hey, uh, um, can you come into my office? And literally, he's like four feet away from the, you know, the, the guy sits like right outside of his office. And he's using, can you come in? Can you just say it just a little bit more than a normal phone conversation, uh, you know, audio, and I could hear you ask me to come into your office or whatever. Uh, I used to sit by his desk and he used to buzz me. So, uh, we need to talk about this RFI. <laughs> That's as bad as, hey, did you just get my email? Yeah. <laughs> Same thing. Yeah. Uh, another one was uh, not reloading paper when they're the last one to use it in either uh, the printer or the plotter. That's a good one. I didn't think of that one. I also, when I read that one, I thought of people who uh, who don't reload the coffee. Same thing. Oh, uh, actually. Just leave it empty. So which one's more offensive? The co- I, For me, it's definitely the coffee. Yeah, for sure, right? Especially when, like, you know, you're standing right behind the person who uses it last. You hear that dreadful... I don't know if you guys have the the pump-style coffee makers like we do. Yeah. And you hear the dreaded sound, the gurgling of the empty coffee can. And, uh, yeah, yeah. and they just walk away. And then... Uh, <laughs> I got mine! Exactly. Right? <laughs> I'm like, no, 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 no. You used it last, you better just better hook up the rest of the people... So then there was this other one that uh, it said that it just kept escalating, right? There was there were just the feuds in the office were escalating. People started talking in other languages so that they couldn't understand <laughs> what they were saying, out loud swearing, and finally turning off the AC in the middle of summer to make people uncomfortable. Oh, wow. <laughs> nice. That's hardcore. That's brutal. <laughs> Yeah, so so then the 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 final straw here after a small feud war over the AC control and turning it back on he placed it on his desk the AC controller I guess with a small note saying if we touch the control he would proceed to kill us. <laughs> this is like office space. My red stapler. My that stapler. Is just classic. Wow. He says it was the high-low point in his career. Looking back at it, I can fortunately <laughs> laugh at the situation, but back then it was way more serious. <laughs> nice. Tag it. Going postal. Wow. Jeez. Jeez. <laughs> Some people just need to, to eh, take a break. I was going to say, that's a healthy work environment. <laughs> yeah. yeah I, 
I'm sure there are even more stories out there. No one left us a voicemail. We're, no, we're sorely we're, disappointed here. Yeah. So uh, where can people leave us voicemails? We, we're still collecting stories here, people. Don't give up yet. Oh, yeah, yeah. Let's see. It is area code 415-484-8496. Call any time. That's right. We don't we don't worry about what hour of the day it is. You can call anytime. Yeah, don't worry about what hour of the day that my phone will be ringing. <laughs> Cuz it comes through to my phone. <laughs> so, uh as as it's not think mine. about that, people. Yeah, think about that. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> So if you want to annoy Neil during the day or in the middle of the night, please, you know, call 415-484-8496. And if you just want to leave an audio of nail clipping. <laughs> that would be a good show intro. Why didn't we think of that? Oh, Jeez. man. Okay, so something else we mentioned last time, well, let's mention it again, is the uh, the Equity by Design workshop and hackathon that's happening at the AIA convention coming up on wednesday uh, may 13th from 1 to 5 p.m it's program code we310 and uh, it sounds like a really cool event there's going to be uh, a hackathon which is a bunch of teams working together to come up with solutions to a big uh, brainstorming session that they're going to be holding um, early on in the day and then after the hackathon happens there is a happy hour which cormac i'm hoping you're going to go to and the jury results at uh, studio number seven. And so there's everybody who, who goes to the, the workshop in the hackathon is invited to the complimentary happy hour. So where's our, we need a bell. Ding, ding, ding. So everybody go to WE310 and uh, hit up the equity by design folks and see what they're up to. They're up to some very cool stuff. Um, and we hope to see everybody at the AIA convention this year. Absolutely. And don't forget, we'll be doing daily episodes. And if you're interested in sponsoring one of those daily episodes, or perhaps all three, get in touch with us. Go to the website, arcaspeakpodcast.com, and you can email us through there. And uh, yeah, let's let's talk. All right. So what are we talking about this week? We're talking about something near and dear to Neil's heart. Well, uh, what I'm interested in, and I I wanted to, to talk a little bit about as... As the economy improves, and a, and a number of us that um, that we, that follow us on Twitter that we know uh, th- through Twitter or through Facebook or something, um, many of us have gone through some hard times over the last five or six years, and a few of us are all out on our own. And it's um, as the economy improves and gets better, how do we handle growth? Right. That's that's kind of the, the, the question. There's a lot of things that, that spin out of that. But how do we handle this this growth that we're hopefully all seeing right now as perhaps sole practitioners or even uh, larger firms uh, or small to midsize firms? How do you deal with, you know, do you bring on somebody um, and, and what does that really mean? I mean, at one point it was, per, you know, you put an ad in the paper and you hire somebody. Right. And that, that person, you part-time or full-time or something, and they work out of your office. And I think there's a lot of questions that come up about that t- today. Do you need to go that route? Like, what's a paper? Well, yeah, what's a paper? <laughs> Craigslist? Um, but not only that, but I think, um, is it also possible to, or more likely, I know Mark LePage has gone from having an office and people coming into that office as he's talked about where now he's, he's moved away from that model and he's working uh, in his home office now. 
and his former employees now work remotely and they kind of collaborate together using some different software to make that sort of happen uh, for coordination and such. So I'd really like to touch a little bit on each one of those things and maybe ask our, our audience to, to chime in um, to the comments either uh, on the website or on our Facebook page or through Twitter and tell us about how they're managing it as well um, as a spinoff to our conversation. Um, and then to, to provide their tips of what they're doing, how, how they're doing it. And then also to how they're making this coordination work. Um, you know, what sort of model are, the, are is everybody looking at uh, bringing somebody into an office? I guess for a lot of us that are working from home or in a home office situation, um, how do you take that next step? Do you, do you go work collaboratively with some colleagues, maybe rent a space? Or uh, I know there's other types of spaces where maybe you rent uh, or not even rent, but you maybe go in and work during the day, like a co-working sort of situation. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'd really like to hear either what your guys' thoughts are on that or uh, certainly our listeners' thoughts on on how they're doing it and, and what their thoughts are on some of these uh, ways to do it. So, I mean, that's kind of kicking it off. I've got more questions to go on that, but uh, I kind of wanted to get your guys' take on it as well. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. Oh, no, no, no. Go go ahead. I I was just going to (laughs) say. Wait, what? No, uh, I've I've got a couple questions, but they're more like specific for people that kind of work through their home office. But um, uh, go ahead. my, My initial thing is, I mean, there's we're going through a boom in communication, right? There's so many ways to communicate now that the virtual office and the virtual studio seems to make a a whole lot of sense, especially with the way that creative people work. I mean, we are a global community now with the internet and with all the different tools that are available to us. Um, And we all have these communication devices in our pockets all the time. And so it is easier than ever to, have accountability um, to make sure things are actually happening. Um, gone are the days, it seems, of, oh, you didn't get my email? Uh, you know, if, if people are using those excuses, it's pretty easy to figure out what's really going on there. Mm. Um, because now nowadays, things really do work pretty reliably, right? And, and like I was saying with, with the tools, you know, there's Box, there's Slack, there's Basecamp, there's, there's so many of them out there, and, and this really isn't a podcast about the different tools, but it is easier than ever to be connected on every one of our devices. So I think that that does make a lot of sense. Um, But at the same time, I don't think that we want to always be working without each other. I mean, a company that I follow that's not an architecture firm, but that really utilizes the remote working situation is the people at Basecamp and Jason Freed and David Hanemeyer Hansen wrote a book called Remote. It's really good. Um, and they also, before that, wrote a book called Rework, which is just about a, a different way to think about working based on the times that we're living in. And like I started off saying, when you're talking about people who work in a creative industry, creativity does not happen on a schedule. And so, for instance, I have some friends who have their own office at home, and they employ a draft person. She does live locally, but they barely ever see her because she gets to work whenever she wants on the project. I mean, that's kind of what happens when you're dealing with people who are consulting, right? You don't get to tell them when to do the job. You just tell them what you need and when you need it by, and they get to decide when to do it. 
And I think that's really where the freedom comes with all of these types of software that we have to connect us is that if, you know, if I want to go to my kid's soccer game on Saturday and then watch a movie with my wife and then work after that, just like I did when I was in studio, um, that would be totally fine. I mean, that's really when just think back to when you were in architecture school, you, you just worked and you just got the thing done by the deadline. There was no keeping track of the hours that you spent on the project. I mean, most of us are getting paid salary anyway. It doesn't seem to make a heck of a lot of sense to track the hours that we actually work. But there's still a lot of people in our industry who have that ass-in-seat mentality. They, if you're not you know, in your chair at your desk, you're not doing your work. And exactly. I mean, that's that's old school now. I think that that's just not how it works anymore. You know, it's interesting that you bring that up because we're trained before we get to get into the profession. School itself doesn't train us to work the way we are supposed to work on a day-to-day basis. I mean, you you said it best, you know, I mean, we kind of worked whenever we felt like it. We knew what the work had to be, when it needed to be done, what the milestones were, what, you know, like intermediate deadlines were and things like that. And if, say, I had to go take my kids to the doctor or something like that, you know, get up, go take them to the doctor, then come back and work. And if it's, you know, working from say nine at night to 11 o'clock at night just to make up those few hours or something like that are uh, a lot easier and and to be quite honest with you i think that you know we we've we've talked about numerous times this work-life balance type thing and everybody's just like haha what is that you know i'm gonna clock in at seven in the morning and i leave at 10 at night and you know i'm always working and stuff and maybe if you had something a little bit more flexible maybe you had have a little bit more of a work-life balance yeah i totally agree i i there's definitely that mentality still lingering out there that uh you put in the 7:30 to 5:30 or the 8 to 6 or whatever it is or or more right there's definitely cultures and firms that um the indentured servitude of architecture still lives very strong very strong uh, so but then there are other c- companies out there and and firms and I think this is probably one of the bigger reasons why a lot of people do start their own thing is because they want to control that and um we we should all be endeavoring to work hard work smarter not harder right, right so right. I think that that people are are catching on to that and and really they're they're basing their success and their and their I, I don't want to say time cards but the the time that they spend on the outcomes of of what they're doing oh there's it's interesting you say that too because you know when we fill out our timesheets every week and you know you're charting all of your hours and the project managers are charting like you know the hours that each person you know puts towards each project and stuff and you know i look at some people who like sit there and they work and you look at the status of the project but you look at like the number of hours and it's just like are you racing to see who's got more hours on a project than somebody else and is that working towards the benefit of the project benefit of you uh you know it's it's kind of interesting how <coughs> excuse me some of the more uh conventional firms um and and i work for one of those that kind of a nine to five kind of thing Dude, if you're there you're expected to be working it's not it is an older model um and that's going to lead to some of my questions, especially for Neil. Is that a healthy model? Well, I, I wanted to ask also too if you're if you're a one person shop like I am, and like a, a number of our listeners are, 
what are the thoughts of, of growing? I mean, one of the situations I'm in is how do I handle more work? Because there's, there's a fundamental problem is, is, is that there's only so much work I can actually do, right? So I'm doing remodels and additions, smaller projects. Um, it takes a certain amount of time to get those done. And if I look at the income that I'm receiving from those projects, there's only so many of those I can get done in the hours that I can actually get work done or even over a period of months or something. If I've got all the work I can do, there's only so much I can do. So there's the problem of, okay, do I, I'm sending out proposals and what happens if they all come back in and everybody's ready to go and they want to get started so you've you've got this fundamental challenge of okay well if all of these projects come in i don't want to turn any of any of them down i don't want to tell them to wait 2 months or something till i'm i'm ready so then what do i do do i then look at getting some help and does that help again now i go back to is it an employee is it somebody part time is it because of the ability to go virtual do I find somebody that, that can do it virtual and, or do you partner up with say, you know, co-locating with say somebody else where you can maybe help each other out. And you know, if I'm a little slow, I can help you out or something. And is that the genesis of essentially creating a new firm? And I, I there's one fundamental problem that I've seen that, that is a, is an issue today that say maybe, a number of years, I'm going to say pre-CAD, it wasn't really an issue. Pre-CAD, everybody drew by hand. So if you're in this situation and I need to have a draftsman or I'm going to uh, join up with somebody else that that, uh, is going to help me out uh, on a project, we all just sat down and, and we drew it. Today, we have this other complication of, oh, oh, you know, I don't use that program or I use this one, you use that one, somebody else knows this one, they don't really know each other's programs. So if you're trying to even like partner up with some people, it, it there, there becomes this fundamental block of, well, I don't use, you know, I'll, you know, Revit or something, and I use Vectorworks or I use uh, Archicad, I mean, name your program. But if you don't know, if everybody doesn't know their other programs, then it makes it much more difficult to even for like, two or three people that might be running their own firms and we all live locally here. It's like, well, I don't necessarily need help this week, but I need somebody next week and you need somebody this week. It'd be great if we could all kind of have somebody that we could share, but it's really tough to have somebody that knows three or four different programs and can be efficient on all three at the same time. Yeah. Uh, that, that's a, uh, I think there's several topics. <laughs> in there. I'm sorry. <laughs> that's huge. <laughs> I, th- I, I and I don't know the answer to that second part there with the different platforms because I really do feel like that is probably a pretty big problem. But because we're so globally connected, again, there are people out there who who use everything, right? Um, you just probably don't know who they are. So that's where user groups come in. That's where forums online, who, where where people are congregating and talking about the, using those, where it's probably easier to find somebody who actually does. I mean, there's lots of outsourcing type websites where you can hire people who, and, and they're going to say what they use. So it's probably not that hard. But back to the to the first part, if you're always reacting 
to potential work, I don't know how you're ever going to do that well enough to be profitable. If you're constantly looking, let's say you've got four different proposals out, how many of those are you going to get back? What's your hit rate on that kind of thing? And then what what's your strategy? What's your plan? Where do you want to be? How many projects do you need to have going? How many do you want to have going? How much money do you want to make this year? I think we have to think bigger than, oh, I've got four proposals out this week. I'm going to do two next week. I'm going to do one the week after that. And it, and, and what happens if all those jobs come in? I, and if you don't even try to answer those questions, or if you don't have a strategy before you start putting those proposals out, I don't think it's going to be a very successful endeavor. You're either going to have too much work, and now all of a sudden you've got to find somebody to fill a hole. And what are the chances you're going to find somebody you can trust to do that work? It just seems like it leads to so many more problems. And then what are you doing? You're not drawing anymore. You are coordinating over email all day long and doing accounting and checking people's hours and doing the billing. And so, again, I think if that's your strategy to run a business, maybe that's that's part of that. But I think most of us got into this business to do the work, too. So you really have to define what you want first before you jump uh, headfirst into all that stuff. Well, I think it's um, it's an interesting problem that I, many people that have been sole practitioners over the last five, four or five to six years haven't had the um, the problem to deal with, I guess, or haven't had to really think that far ahead. If you're fortunate enough that you've had enough work um, that, or, or you've had this, uh, you've had enough work to, to, to do to keep you busy. That's, that's great. But many of us have kind of just been going from one job to the next, to the next and, and hoping something, hoping you get some projects. And I think at least for me that, so maybe I'm the only one here. So if you're listening to this and you're, and you're having a similar problem like me, you know, let us know because, uh, Maybe I am unique here, but I don't think so, where this is a new problem for me as a sole practitioner. I mean, when I was first laid off six years ago, um, it was like, well, okay, um, you know, things are pretty bad for a little right now. I'll kind of lay low. Hey, I've got a license. I can go do some work myself. I can put my name out there and, you know, I can pick up a few projects a year and at least bring in some income. And now it's like, hmm. Now I'm really, you know, after building for several years, um, it's like my name is out there more and people are actually calling now. So I don't have that strategy yet because I haven't had to deal with it. So poor planning on my part, I suppose. Well, I I don't think it's too late, but you've got to do it. You have to actually do it. And it's not easy, but it's not something you couldn't do this weekend either. I mean, you could definitely get a lot of that just get a big roll of trace and lay it out on the table and start figuring out your strategy for the next three months, six months, year, whatever, you know, 90 days is probably a good number to shoot for in the beginning and just figure out what, what's your purpose as a sole proprietor? I mean, how much money do you need to bring in? Is it just more than zero or is it 50,000 or a hundred thousand dollars? And then, and then you can start to reverse engineer things. Okay. If I need to make that much money in three months, how much do I need to make? every week and then how am i actually going to fulfill that work is it just me is it two people is it one and a half right but i think if you actually have a goal written down and of course it's going to change but 
excuse me, you can actually start to go back and reverse engineer that stuff and figure out the small steps that need to happen because man, that big step is intimidating, right? If you have three jobs that hit at once, what the heck are you going to do all of a sudden to take care of that? It's going to be really tough. Yeah. No, it's uh, all good points. And uh, it's, it's, I think there, it, these are all issues that a number of people out there are likely dealing with. That's uh, part of the reason I wanted to talk about it. It is not just sole proprietors and small firms. True. It's big firms too. Well, I mean, and that's where yeah. I was going to go next is how do larger firms manage this workload and, and, and you guys work in bigger firms. So I was just, I wanted to get, you know, you've heard my take. Now I've, I'm curious, how do your firms handle have been handling this i should say over the last say six months or or so where we've seen this very large increase in work i mean it's, this is a great thing two years ago two plus years ago when we started this podcast uh things were a little different now we're we're yeah. entering in a, into a stage where how do you manage your workloads in larger firms or mid-sized firms and bringing on additional staffs and what are the strategies you know from your experiences that you're seeing Okay, hold that thought, and we'll get back to that in just a second. We'd like to thank our newest sponsor, Roundhouse Labs, and they make a brand new product that's out called Roundhouse PM. Roundhouse PM is an online communication tool for architects, engineers, owners, and contractors, or just about anybody in the design or construction world who needs to share critical information. That's everybody, right? Roundhouse PM is essentially a platform for tracking project information like construction documents, RFIs, submittals, pay applications, and more. Roundhouse PM has a unique SkyView dashboard that allows you to view the current status of not just a single project at a time, but a firm-wide snapshot of all your active projects sorted by urgency. Imagine the time saved by logging into one place to get an overview of how many outstanding RFIs or submittals your entire team has at any given time. Roundhouse PM was developed by industry-leading architects to enhance their own business and profitability, and it was such a success, they've refined it and are offering it to the general AEC market. It's just a great communication management tool because it's amazingly useful on a single project level, at a studio level, or at a firm-wide level. It's such a great communication management tool because it's amazingly useful on a single project level, at a studio level, or at a firm-wide level, and it's very affordable. Go to roundhouselabs.com to learn more about what they're up to and visit them at the AIA convention in Atlanta at booth 3283. That's booth 3283. Write that down in the software and technology pavilion. Roundhouse PM is a construction communication hub, but we like to say, get in the roundhouse. So thanks, Roundhouse, for sponsoring the Argus B podcast. Well, you know, it's interesting right now. Um, and I've seen this not just in our firm, but in other firms as well, that, um, you know, we've, we've had a lot of, you know, like interns go back to school and things like that. And, you know, we were doing, having a lot of work done by them and, uh, we still are in this mindset of being a little gun shy on hiring new people because we're not quite sure whether or not this uptick in in job you know in, in jobs coming into the office and stuff are going to last you know because we're still a little worried about recessions and things like that so um you know we've been reluctant and i've seen other firms reluctant to hire people 
and you know it's, it puts a, a huge burden on the on the existing staff because where they were doing like one or two maybe three projects at a time or something um you know now they're you know six seven eight nine fourteen so it's it's kind of rough because you're basically overworking people um, and I don't know if, uh, Evan, you guys are doing the same thing or if you guys are actually hiring and, and stuff like that. But, um, you know, I've seen a lot of gun shy people out there right now, you know, not sure how to handle, um, the increase in work and whether or not it's real or if it's, uh, um, just something that's fleeting. Well, I think, yeah, I think this is a, this is a big thing. I, I don't think that too many firms are actually being gun shy. I think firms that are, I think that that's probably not a good take right. on, on the situation because um, there are firms out that like, like it, the one that I work for, man, we are hiring, we are hiring, we're trying to hire like crazy. And so the firms are all competing for the best talent out there. Mm. And because mm. of that, uh, a lot of people are moving around in the industry, in the in the profession, because they are looking for more money, uh, closer commutes, uh, and opportunities are out there because there are so many projects hitting right now. And I think if firms are waiting because they don't know, man, that's it's going to be a, a huge mistake because what that does is it leads to burnout, right? Yeah. Um. So I th- I think that. People are, are getting hiring bonuses right now for going to other places. Um, like I said, we're hiring like crazy. And I think that it's a it's a workers, it's an employee's market right now. It's It totally is. And I feel like firms like us are actually trying to stop the bleeding more than we're probably talking about because hmm. people are moving around so much. And I would right. also say that... Um, because we're trying to stop the bleeding, we're trying to find ways to attract people, and there's there's a lot of creativity going into that as well, because it, it is a good place to work, and there are good people there, and we want to figure out how to maintain those. So it's kind of the opposite problem of what we were talking about just a minute ago, but <laughs> right. but there's there's a lot of... And the, fun, the thing that I'll say is people are moving around a lot because they think somewhere else is better. Everybody has the same freaking problems. And and what I'd say is, you know, the grass is greener because it's fertilized with bullshit over there. I mean, it's (laughs) there. It is not better. It's, it's just the same problems. Um, the place that you work at that the advantage you have is, you know what the problems are. You know, that's not a, not a happy thing to say, but I think it's kind of, I, I totally think, I think that it is an employee's market right now and people can, um, use it to their advantage. There are p- definitely epicenters across the country um, and across the the globe that that have way more work than other places. I'm sure, but you know, um, if if you just search the job boards, you can totally see where those places are. It's not it's not hard to find this information, right? So, uh, Evan, you're you're totally right about the the uh, employer in the employee market right now. I have a friend of mine um, that was recently. Uh, found himself looking for work actually, and after a few weeks, uh, suddenly was getting several responses, and actually ended up having a couple of firms bidding for him. and And it was actually kind of created a little bit of an awkward situation that you know maybe we can talk about a little bit more later. But um, where how do you handle that as an employee or a potential employee where you've got okay one firm's offering you this. 
and then you interview at another firm and, and, um, they offer you something else and, but you'd really like to maybe work at the other firm, but there, these other guys are offering a little more and it creates a really interesting, uh, dynamic, which we, we can maybe explore a little bit, but, uh, but fortunately for him, I mean, it, it worked out great. And, um, ended up going back and forth a little bit. And like you say, it is firms are uh, looking and competing for the best talent. And, and it fortunately worked out really well for him. So um, this is a good time. This is the first time we've really seen this type of market in probably at least seven years or more. You know, it's interesting you say that because uh, I responded to uh, um, a friend of the show's uh, tweet that was like stop it 66 percent accept an offer without negotiating any aspect of it and then it was like you know how do you negotiate the salary benefits that you deserve and um you know it's kind of interesting that we're getting to that point now where at one point in time we would just take whatever job we wanted to um and now that we're um at a much better time in our profession um we're able to be able to negotiate better salaries, better benefits and things like that, you know, which are, you're right, Evan, it is, it is the, uh, employees, uh, market out there. And, and, you know, this isn't, this isn't, uh, anything new. Um, I mean, for, for those students in, in school right now, if you're just getting out, this is a great time to be getting out of school. Um, the next four, hopefully the next three to four or five years are going to be good times. And, and it's a great time to be getting out of school. But I mean, those of us who have been around the industry for a little bit longer, know that that this fluctuates Uh, this. When I first got out of college, it was a bad time, a bad time to be graduating. Jobs were very hard to find. and, And you had to do pretty much like you said, Cormac, you just Okay. Oh, you're going to offer me $25,000 a year and, and, uh, no benefits. Okay. Yeah. I'll take that because it's better than sitting on the couch at home. Um, and then there was a period a few years later where, uh, kids coming out of college were getting offered more than I was as a licensed architect that had been working there for three years or four years already, just because you couldn't find people. And so it was being, it was that crazy time. And then of course the bottom dropped out again and then it came back and then it dropped out again. So yeah, this, this definitely goes in cycles. And right now, fortunately we're in a really good up cycle. It's true. Yeah, it's totally true. I think that this also is, is something that small firms have to deal with is that competition. So what I, I, to me, it, it really comes down to what do, what do you stand for? I mean, what there, there's, especially the millennial generation cares about connecting with people cares about their cause cares about doing work that matters, um, doing something that's meaningful. And I think it's important for firms to state what that is so that you can try to align yourself with people who are like-minded. I mean, really when you're interviewing a firm and when that firm's interviewing you, they're looking for somebody that's going to fit well with the people that are there. And so whether you're sole proprietor or whether you're a firm of 400, they're still looking for people that are like-minded, right? And right. so I think that if you're a small firm and you're looking to grow and you're looking either for somebody full-time or you're looking for somebody virtual, it kind of doesn't matter. If, that, if you're looking for young people who are graduating to maybe kick your firm up a notch in, in technology and, and all that good stuff, then you've got to really... you've got to state what it is that you care about, what it is that you're out there to do. 
um, because you look at places like Architecture for Humanity and you look at, at different causes like that that are going on out there, there's some really neat stuff happening, and you'll notice that there's a lot of young people in those, and so that's re- what seems to be um, the thing that's attractive. Anyway, would you like someone to draw CAD details for you, create BIM objects for you, write specifications for you, and would you like someone to do this for free? RCAT has already done all this for you. You can search the RCAT libraries for these products and more, free of charge, no registration required to download content. RCAT has created a website devoted to you, the building professional, to build for finding building product information fast and hassle-free. Check out RCAT today at A-R-C-A-T, that's RCAT.com. And thanks again, RCAT, for being such a great sponsor to the ArcaSpeak podcast. You can sign up for show notes at ArcaSpeakPodcast.com on just about every page, and we include links to all of our sponsors in those show notes. They get emailed to you the night before the episode goes live. Um, There's also links to the shows where you can comment on the shows as well. So everybody also go over to ArcaSpeakPodcast.com and sign up for the show notes. And uh, those are the the only emails that you get by doing that, but it helps everybody follow along with the show with all the links and stuff that we've got in there. So um, everybody check out rcat.com and thanks for sponsoring the show this week. So Neil, real quick, when I was out on my own and um, we were, we, we kind of just basically rented a space that um, one of the three partners that we kind of went in together, it was just three college, uh, college friends that went to work together one of them had kind of like a a guest house that they had owned and we we used that as our office so you know we had you know essentially kind of like the dining room uh was our our conference room and you know we just kind of set up desks and stuff like that and made it you know made it something where we could have a good workspace a collaborative workspace and also a place to bring our clients if if need be but when we were first starting out, and this is something that I wanted to ask you about, um, is, you know, we were basically working out of our houses, and we would meet up with each other, um, you know, since it was, at at the time, really, it was kind of a, a an office of two. And, um, you know, we would meet up at, like, Starbucks and stuff like that to kind of, like, you know, talk about business and things like that. But then we would also meet up with clients at places like that. And, you know, we were always worried what the impression was from potential clients if we weren't meeting in an actual office space or a conference room or something like that and we were meeting at some place that was more casual you know how do you actually deal with that i mean is that is that a a perception that you even worry about or is that something that is you know just now that we're starting this trend of of you know really kind of like remote working and things like that does it really matter that's a great question and i think it really sort of depends on the type of work that you may be doing. And let me let me explain what I mean by that. In my case, I'm doing a lot of um, additions and remodels right now. And so in that case, I typically meet the uh, the clients in their house because that is that is the uh, the project is sure. their house. And I need to see that um, it's usually the easiest thing to do to actually meet them. Uh, in that location, it's it's rare that 
they want to actually meet me in my office, quote unquote office, air quotes here. Um, I, <laughs> I have done that before. I do have well, a dining space that is in the front of the house that I can bring people into the front door and, and do that. But there is definitely a perception of I am a small architect who's working out of his house. Um, and I think their perception, and this is part of the problem uh, that I'm having, is that that perception then tells a potential client that, oh, okay, well, his fees should be lower, mm. right? I should be getting right. a deal right. on this because he's not paying overhead, employees, whatever, um, and he's working out of his house. So there is that, that is a problem. So I think that if I did have a space or a collaborative space that I shared with uh, several people, I think there's there's the benefit of, I could meet clients there if I wanted to. I could make that as an offer. I don't ever really even offer. Usually, first time I meet somebody, I, I usually go to their house anyway. But it would be great if I could offer, yes, you can come down and meet me in my office um, or come down for a meeting in my office space. And I think that would give a perception of a larger firm, maybe justify a higher fee. Um, or, and I think that'd be great. I think there's a this, another benefit to that. Um, that I also wanted to talk about tonight, which was everybody's doing all this virtual collaboration, mm -hmm. but there is, there is something that, um, so much more that you can gain by talking to somebody in person, just even cause just like if they're at the next desk over a few feet away, cause, Hey, can you, can you look at this? I mean, it's kind of that spontaneous thing that could happen. I know we talked about earlier in the episode about being able to be uh have flexible hours and you know work whenever and maybe it's i'm working at night and you're working during the day or something but having that somebody there or two other three other people that you're you can collaborate with where just like at the moment right it's like i got a problem right now and hey you got a second you know and those types of conversations can happen very easily in an office or a collaborative environment where you're there at the same time and working um and i think that i'm curious how others handle this in this virtual office um i know we can share files we can share screens we can look at the screens and talk at the same time and maybe that is enough but sometimes you may not be available at that moment, right? Uh, or due to time zones, right? Uh, somebody, you know, even you know, Cormac, you're on the East Coast. So when you're having dinner, it's still late in the afternoon out here. And and so I may not be available if you've got a question or vice versa. You're, you're having dinner. I'm still working. So um, how do I deal? How do you deal with that in a virtual environment when it's like I can't? just at a moment's notice, see you right there and say, Hey, you got a second. I want to ask you about this or, you know, do you have an idea on this? Well, I mean, you know, we've been just in our firm and, and you know, we, the previous firm I worked for, they did that as uh, this as well. And, and, you know, I mean, it's the go-to meetings, the, uh, inner office, uh, video conferencing and stuff like that. Um, that really does help. I mean, we, you know, we're working on a project right now where, um, you know, they're in a couple of different counties away from us and, you know, it's easier, you know, we've got, you know, civil engineers, you know, a couple hours away. Um, we've got some of our engineers that are a little bit closer to us so that could actually come into the office. And then we've got the client and stuff. And, and a lot of times it's easier, uh, to, 
to have everybody in the same room. Sure. So that, you know, we can sit and kind of, uh, talk off of each other and just, you know, but you know, when that's not possible, um, you know, the go-to meeting really does kind of help out because, um, you still are able to get everybody in the same room. It's just, they're in their own rooms. Um, but you're still able to have that flow and that conversation and, you know, people are able to like, you know, still see, you know, and in some ways it's actually a little bit easier because, you know, you, you throw something up on the screen and everybody can see exactly what you're talking about rather than sitting at the table. And then everybody's got to kind of like get up and kind of hover around a, you know, a single drawing or something like that. Um, I don't know. Maybe I'm just, uh, you know, I got my grandpa pants on here or something well, and I'm like, you know, no. get off my lawn. No, this it's is not going to work virtually. I, I don't know. Maybe I need to break free of that. And maybe the millennials listening to this episode, I don't know what They're this probably, is talking know. about. He's just like, this is the way we do it nowadays. Get out of the way, old man. I, I don't know. <laughs> no, there, there's, there's, there's still something about the face to face meeting that is still absolutely mandatory for a project. But then there are times that, you know, a virtual meeting is, um, is just as applicable. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I don't think that you can actually replace face to face in person stuff. Uh, it, it's too valuable. There's nuance to it that you can pick up on somebody's slight facial expression, body language that you just don't get on a go-to meeting or through a chat. There's just no way. Uh, That's not to say that those tools aren't valuable and important. I think that you have to set up some kind of a system where face-to-face meetings happen on some sort of regular basis. I mean, it has to happen like that, but it doesn't have to always happen like that. So as far as the, the way we work... There are tools that can augment it. There are ways to archive things and make make paper trails or to table something. And when somebody is in a different time zone, they can pick it up and run with it because it's there waiting for them. That That's all great, but I, it's not going to replace the face-to-face stuff uh, that we should really fight to hang on to. It's that important, I think. Yeah, I think for, for meetings or for um, just general i i think these these methods can work fantastic and 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 we should be using those tools right and not spending hours in a car just for a 10 minute meeting um i think where i'm where i'm coming from on this side is thinking more from as the firm as as a sole firm owner if i'm trying to grow and i'm either need to bring on somebody that is uh, say a younger staff member how, how can I do that? Can I have that person help me when he's that person, he or she is just virtual all the time. Or even if I'm trying to partner up with say a couple of people that are like myself, sole practitioners, uh, with, with, uh, our, our similar types of experiences. And, and if we can work in the same environment, we can then feed off of each other a little bit. And that's more what I'm thinking of when I'm thinking of, or when I'm, when I'm talking about working in a collaborative environment and, and where those types of meetings probably, um, don't work. You know, if, if I've got a colleague, um, that in fact, I've got one that lives here in town, another one that lives about less than 10 miles away. And 
I think it would be great if, I mean, we actually, all three of us used to work together at the same firm. That's how I know them. And, and I think we could all benefit by our own designs and, and, uh, helping each other out. If we could be, you know, have that conversation a little more often than say once a quarter when we typically might get together for lunch, but we're not working together right now anyway. Um, but I don't know if that, if that meeting is a substitute for that. And that's kind of where I was saying that I, I don't know when my other colleagues are available. They may not be available the moment, the, the afternoon when I'm sitting here working on a design room, I'm, I'm stuck on something. And that's where I'm thinking that if you're in a similar environment or, or together in an environment and, you know, we'll just call it the office, right? If you're in the office, you have that ability to talk to somebody. Absolutely. See our last uh, episode on distractions. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. So I, I think these are these are interesting problems that I think for for a lot of us uh, are the first time where we may be having to deal with this on our own. And then I think it scales up to larger firms that like the you guys work at is how do you then manage all of these different aspects of either flexible work hours um, and um, the collaboration and the, the different virtual meetings and then also managing workload, right? Yeah. Well, we could finish up with that. Uh, let's first talk about image wizards. So this week, Arcuspeak is sponsored by Image Wizards, the inventors of printing digital photos on aluminum. Image Wizards uses cutting-edge technology to produce prints that are so vivid and detailed that it's comparable to seeing HD television for the first time. For interior designers and architects who need the best medium for showcasing artwork and photography, there is no substitute for Image Wizards. Check them out at imagewizards.net. And make sure that you tell them that ArcaSpeak sent them. Uh, their product is environmentally friendly. It's made of 94% recycled aluminum. It qualifies for lead credits. Their process releases no VOCs, volatile organic compounds. Their framed prints can be mounted with wire or security mounts. They're scratch-resistant and waterproof. And the Rochester Institute of Technology's Image Permanence Institute, they got two institutes in their name, rates our prints at 100 plus years longer than any paper-based medium. They offer proofs on actual aluminum, so you know exactly what you're getting before the final print. They've done work for Google, Facebook, Lockheed Martin, BMW, Harley-Davidson, Jimmy John's, Northrop Grumman, and more. So everybody go check out Image Wizards. I know last week in the show notes, Neil put a picture in there, and it, you know, to me, it looked like Neil just pulled an image off of Image Wizards' website, but he didn't. It was a photo of the thing that they actually sent him, and uh, it looked pretty awesome. It's pretty awesome. It's actually up on the wall in my son's room now. The quality <laughs> is amazing. It's super vivid colors, and so it's different. Uh, it's something that is eye-catching uh, because we don't see this all the time. So everybody check it out, ImageWizards.net, and thanks, Image Wizards, for sponsoring the show. All right, ArcaSpeak audience and listeners, we normally keep these shows to about an hour long, and that's probably what you were thinking is they should be wrapping it up right about now. 
But the truth is, we didn't, and we just kept talking for another 45 minutes to an hour. And so what we're going to do here is release that as our next episode, because there's also, we think, some really good points in there. So look for that in two weeks, and for now, that's the end of this show, and I'm going to let Neil wrap it up here for the end and thank our sponsors. See you guys in a couple weeks. All right, let's wrap it up. Uh, Let's see. So if you have any questions or comments... Remember, visit our website at arcaspeakpodcast.com. There you'll find links to our individual Twitter accounts and the Arcaspeak Podcast Facebook page where you too can join in on the conversation. And if you have comments about this episode or anything else you'd like to share with the podcast or with Arcaspeak, call us at 415 484 8496. We're feeling kind of lonely on that. We haven't heard from anybody. And lastly, but not last, we want to really thank our sponsors. They are making this possible and they are bringing it to you. And that would be ArtCat and Image Wizards and our new sponsor this week, Roundhouse Labs. We really appreciate everything they are doing. And please visit each one of them and let them know you heard about them on this show. And don't forget, we're going to be at the AIA convention. So check out the Twitter account for ArcaSpeak. That's A-R-C-H-I-S-P-K. And follow us there so that you are notified when we go live with our daily shows and also if we uh, get the whole periscope thing working we want to hopefully do some uh, some live streaming from the show floor and things that we're seeing when we're out at the convention so uh, check us out on twitter so that you're in the know when that stuff happens all right everybody thanks for listening we'll see you next time all right good night later Oh, you can bet I-